Hi, everybody. My name is Fred Pop. I'm a partner and head of sport at Zag and a Gather member. Today, we have the unique pleasure of meeting with Emma Taylor. For those who don't know Emma, she is the envy of sports execs around the world. Not only has she served as head of marketing for two Premier League football clubs, Fulham and uh, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, but she is a critical part of the executive team that launched the world's finest football stadium. Hi, Emma. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well. Very very pleased to be here. And uh, I think it's very interesting um, having an opportunity to talk about my experience in football and how that could help um, the golf world. Great. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. I think kind of remaining true to the style of the Ripple series, okay if we just kind of dive right in? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, the, the roles you've had are fascinating. Um, the, to do them well requires a real balance uh, in a lot of areas. I think the, the, one of the interesting places is this balance between marketing and chasing business and new customers and brand building. Um, are there synergies of those two or does your strategy treat them differently? I think there are definitely synergies. Um, largely because I think uh, the brand uh, strategy should really inform the commercial strategy, um, in my opinion. Um, so, for example, stepping out for a moment and thinking about your business or, or the, the brand and the personality of the organisation, the vision, the values, how you, how you want to kind of move forward with that, how things look and feel and what image you want to portray to the outside world. It is is something that I, I think is absolutely critical. And, and it's what's interesting is actually when you go on that journey and you have to do it, you know, every, every few years because obviously things evolve and change. I think when you go on that journey, you get the opportunity to kind of really think deeper than you would normally and therefore uh, unearth, um, I don't know, nuggets of information and, and strands that can then actually be really get get allow you to get more creative i guess with how you move forward on the more commercial side of things um so developing new propositions new products new events new opportunities um think about new audiences uh, all that can really be born out of brand strategy um and uh, so yeah in terms of your question fred i think the synergy is that the brand is brand is the bedrock and then the commercial strategy builds on upon that well, I think yeah. if we stay on that, uh, if we stay down that vein. If, if if you're creating a brand for a facility, and I know you've just been through this and, and smashed it, um, what are the progressive component parts to that? If we're building multifunctionality from the beginning, baking it into the proposition, um, what's relevant today? What and and what do you see coming from the wants and needs of of sports consumers? Well, I think the uh the success of uh, trying to develop multifunctionality is, is born out of, uh, first of all, understanding your, your customers' needs and wants. And so I think, um, a, a, you know, a research piece or a, an insight opportunity is, is, is really what's, what's required because um, I think we all can all make assumptions about what our, our, our customers or fans want, but until you actually ask them, um, you, you, it's just assumptions. So, I mean, at Spurs, 
before about four four years out from the stadium opening, uh, there was extensive research done to really get under the skin and, and understanding the, the needs and the behaviours and the expectations of, of, of fans and, um, and premium customers as well. Um, so that when we were thinking about the stadium and the opp opportunities, the experiences within it, uh, they were really going to effectively serve that that the customers and the fans, in this case, um, needs and desires. And I guess having a, a pulse on what's going on in the wider uh, world always is going to inform uh, and, uh, I guess, inform the questions you might want to ask and understand. Uh, I think also looking at the data side of things. I mean, um, at Spurs, we, we unearth, for example, that... Uh, um, premium customers, you know, oh, sorry, the general admission fans, they always arrive at five to three and they often sometimes leave before the final whistle because they want to get on the train home. And, uh, you know, that you could assume that they only want to have that match day. They want to come for the match and that's what it's all about and go home. Well, actually, what the research unearthed for us was that they were going out before the game, uh, drinking in bars and, and going to restaurants before and also after the match. And so what we were able to do is think about, well, actually, how can we serve that, that fans needs better and elongate the match day experience? So um, making sure that the bars and, and the uh, experiences within them and the, the places where they want to hang out before the game, serving great beer and actually Spurs have got a microbrewery to uh, make sure that that's going to sort of meet their, their needs there. Having uh, really nice concourse spaces to, to dwell in um, and, and putting on entertainment after the game in the concourses, whether it's musicians, to keep them and, uh, staying longer. And that obviously then takes the pressure off the transport network. It, it, it creates that dwell time. They're spending money on, with the club on beer and, and, uh, and sticking around. And they're having a greater, better experience. And so, you know, win, lose or draw, fans would stay, stick around behind. And yet, you know, your assumption might be they're not going to do that because they, if, we, if, if, we, if the Spurs game hasn't been great, they'll just want to go home. But they were doing that in other places. And what's great at, at, in, in, in Tottenham is there's so many local pubs as well, but they were still getting the business as well because football fans are always creatures of habit and will always... Um, go to the places that they've always gone to as well. So that, that was sort of everyone was winning in this situation. So, and so but what I was going to say is because of the behaviors that you observe, you, you can quickly make assumptions. And I think uh, without actually asking, and it, you, won't, you won't necessarily uh, make the right assumptions. So trying to sort of do some uh, asking your customers is gonna be, I think a key, key point. I think the other, um, Thing I, I would I would say is that uh, the, re, the sort of reimagining of how the facilities could be used, and uh, we were at Spurs. The, the architects were very um, progressive in, in, in and, and certainly our, our board and chairman were very visionary around trying to think about how the stadium could be used on non-match days. And so, for example, there's a, a skywalk where you can walk up onto the stadium roof. And it's just reimagining you've got the facilities and uh, there you've got the opportunity for fans to have a or non-fans in this case to have an experience. Uh, but you 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 wouldn't necessarily think of it uh, straight away, but it's just created a, a new visitor attraction for for the club and for Tottenham. Um, I guess in the football, uh, in this golf world, I mean, these amazing golf clubhouses and things, there's 
there's a, a, of course the beautiful um, grounds. Um, uh, there's just perhaps opportunities there that could be unearthed if, if you think sort of beyond uh, the, the, the primary function of those spaces. Um, and so sort of thinking outside the box on that, um, I think is, is really, really a good thing to do in sort of reimagining what, what could ha actually be offered uh, beyond just the golf. For, for those of us who are professional marketeers, I think we get, we get wrapped up in things like, you know, formal customer journey audits and, and, uh, and these form, but what you're really talking about is just talking to people, right? Talk to your customers, find out what they're looking for. Why do they come? And, and it sounds like well, having been a guest at, at new at Tottenham's new stadium, I, I think you got that just right. Um, it feels like, uh, it feels like you, you ticked a lot of those boxes. Yeah, I, I think I think the customer um, journey aspect is 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 important as well because um, you you may come up with some great ideas, but then it's about obviously the delivery and execution of those those events and those opportunities. Um, and so I think thinking of that through as well is, is sort of perhaps a secondary stage. But in terms of getting the ideas. Um, I'm not saying that customers necessarily, if you ask fan, football fan, well, what do you want? They'll just say, I want three points. I want to, we want to win the game. It's, they won't think beyond that. And people don't necessarily know what they want. But I guess as us as marketers or as business managers or as leaders of our businesses, we, we have to kind of interpret that and, um, and also ask the questions that we need, we, we want to know that help us to inform what questions we, we want. Um, because they wouldn't, you know, I don't think football fans or um, golfers will necessarily come up with all the ideas, but they will um, definitely have what they are what they want from their experience and what their their match day or golf day um, entails, which could unearth some 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 real gems. You know, we we you you mentioned earlier, Emma. A lot of these uh, golf courses have fantastic clubhouses. And, and, and existing facilities with, with amenities. Um, so not only did you get to deliver football's shiny new thing, but for a while you had White Hart Lane and before that you had Fulham's home, home stadium. Um, that these were existing facilities with existing features uh, and elements to them. How do you adapt existing facilities, um, services, events? How do you make these places more family inclusive um, beyond their kind of day-to-day -day function as football stadium? Well, I think the, uh, the, the, the big successes at, at Spurs and also at Fulham were obviously the, you know, the offering, thinking about events beyond just the core match day. Um, so, for example, at uh, Spurs, you know, we had the men's games would be played there. We actually played a women's match um, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which basically created a whole new opportunity to do different things that wouldn't necessarily be right in terms of the vibe for a man's, uh, the men's game, but was brilliantly received and, and allowed us to bring more kids and families to the game, put on more entertainment. We had a DJ, a live DJ um, in the bowl um, for the pre-match experience. Um, we, we did a lot of uh, entertainment on the concourses, giveaways for the kids, uh, making a sort of a different match day experience. And actually it was an opportunity to test a few things and see whether they work well. And actually some of them were so successful, particularly the live DJ actually, that we rolled that out at the next men's game. Um, it was just before actually the lockdown back in March. It was the last time we had 
one of the last games we had all the fans in the stadium um so uh yeah but again it, it just adds to uh the energy and that excitement and that was an FA Cup game that, that evening but uh I think it gives you an opportunity to, you know to try to try a few things um I was also uh, I think you know having partnerships with people um at Spurs we had a great partnership with Beaver Town the brewery um and we've got a, there's a microbrewery in the stadium, um, and uh, I think that the idea of then you've, that creates a whole new opportunity for that beer tasting uh, and uh, perhaps a, a kind of a, a live music event or um, something that's reaching definitely serving your core audience, but actually giving them the opportunity to invite their friends, their families, get more people involved in the club uh, and extending the use of those facilities outside of the, the obvious, I guess, um, and creating something that uh, reaches perhaps a new demographic um, and uh, perhaps a younger demographic and getting that pipeline of members coming through um, uh, over over the course of time um, is, is is so important. As you know, I've got I, I know you've got a son. I've got two young girls. Um, I, I, I never thought I would live in a generation where I was co-purchasing things with with my kids, and I've I've got them now. Where they've got me uh, involved in in all of these decisions. We have to do things together. And uh, coming out of lockdown, uh, as we come through these stages, I know we're looking for stuff. We're looking for things we can join and do as a family. Uh, I think there's some parallels between football and golf, especially in this latent need for membership, you know, latent need for joining up as a family and doing things. Um, you know, it, it appeals to the golf can open itself up and appeal to the value sets of families. I think yes. golf, golf might be where football was 10, 15 years ago, where it was, you know, very singularly male dominated. Yeah. Uh, um, what what can what can what can we do differently in golf to appeal to these broader multi generational opportunities, whether it's membership or just out for the day? Well, I think the uh, sort of enabling uh, creating opportunities that are more family orientated mm -hmm. is going to be is key. There's uh, opportunities for to open up the the facilities to kids and families to come along. I think, and I think. The, the the other uh, other sort of aspect for me is thinking about the non golfer as well. Mm. Um, you know, they, they, there's a, they're like they might be a, get a whole family of golfers, but I guess um, what about the, the non golfer in the family? Uh, do they? Is there something where there could be activities at the golf club that could be uh, attractive to the non golfer? Um, and then you know there can be a kind of doing those activities and then coming together for lunch, dinner or, or breakfast, whatever uh, part of the day it is. Um, and, you know, I think, again, I've seen some of this, but I think that this is, uh, could be a really vibrant space and it doesn't have to be uh, complex. I mean, I, I was thinking at, uh, at Spurs when we, we would have, I don't know, uh, perhaps a legend, an audience with a legend or um, a, uh, bringing in, we brought in um, experts to do, run activations in our store. Uh, whether it's decorate, making Christmas decorations for the for kids to make Christmas decorations, for example, um, it was something that was you, you got some experts in. They they come in. You, you obviously could cover the costs with a, a you know a nominal fee for the people to participate, and then you're just reaching to a, a wider audience. Um, and that's just a very simple example, but you can get. Uh, experts in externally to run workshops, courses, talks um, that are going to 
engage and reach the, the members um, and give them more value from their memberships. They're not just thinking, oh, how many golf rounds have I done this year? When they're thinking about their renewal, they they think, well, actually, I had that really great experience with the kids and we did that. And, you know, it just makes the, the decision making of renewal uh, not not it takes away the the kind of value exchange value way up that uh, could could that could happen i guess um and, and could could affect the um renewal rate yeah i think what 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 um what we can tend to forget here in golf is that we have beautiful places and beautiful in beautiful spaces and i remember yes. when i remember when i reached out to you uh a couple of weeks ago and was asking you if you would uh be kind enough to participate in this. And I asked, do you play golf? And, and, you, and you were thrilled to have been asked the question um, that, that uh, we, golf isn't always as inclusive as it could be. Um, and that even if you weren't playing golf, uh, you, were, you were thinking about it. Maybe I was inviting you out to a round of golf and you'd have a wonderful experience at a beautiful place in a beautiful space. Yes. I hope that, uh, that people take more opportunity and, and invite people into golf that might not be traditional golfers. I, I think so, and, and I and I know the uh, you know I know it'll be a male-dominated sport, and like football is in terms of football fans, I think eighty-five percent of football fans are male, and uh, you know there's a desire in football to have more women involved, and obviously the women's games obviously really enhancing that, and uh, you know getting more girls playing playing football and going to the soccer schools, and when actually you get lower down in the age demographic, the ratio of, of, of boys to girls, men to women is is is, is much more much more parity than it is as in in the in the older demo but um you know in terms of of, of of golf yes i mean you you want to kind of take away that mystery the gates are there you, the big driveways uh, it's quite imposing it's uh, it's got there's quite a lot of do's and don'ts and etiquette that has to be considered and um i guess that is important to have those standards and upheld and that goes back to brand i guess and what the values are and what the club stands for but I guess that can you can you can throw that a little bit wider, I think, and just uh, expand um, the, the the brand further to think about other audiences within it, and that and I think that's when you, when you start to do that, I think just that's where the creativity can really be, um, you know, be realised, and uh, I, I think the opportunities can be be, be seized, and the and the and the, the the scale and growth of the the golf club can be be enhanced um, from, from, from that uh, and away from just the, the core, the core proposition, which obviously is the golf, which um, I guess is, but you know, that's absolutely critical. That's an amazing experience and um, be making sure it's easy to book the courses and um, capturing the data from the, from the bookings and that, that then informing um, what, what the best, that the, the opportunities are around uh, the different tea times and, uh, perhaps where where the, the, the you can build around those that the golf day for the, the the real sort of serious golfers in in the membership. Yeah, well, there's a lot to learn from football, and there's a lot to learn from you today, Emma. I wish we had more time. I only asked you for for a bit of your day, and I'm I'm really grateful that you could make some time for us. Yeah, and thank you very much, and, and good luck to all the golf clubs who are opening up uh, on Monday. And uh, you know, thank goodness, and uh, wish wish them all well for the for the you know end of this COVID tunnel that we're through. <laughs>